Whoa, can you hear me? Oh, good morning, Victory Life Church. It's so good to be with you in the house this morning. Man, it's going to be an amazing day. I hope you're excited. You're ready for what the Lord is going to do. And before we go into anything, can we give a hand clap for Jesus this morning? Can we just acknowledge the reason why we're here in this place? Man. Well, excited to be with you. My name is Aaron Moore. I am the student pastor here at Victory Life Church, and I'm excited to welcome you here. If you are new in this place, thank you for joining us. Uh, we would love to get connected with you. If you would take the next 60 seconds, uh, 60, I can't even talk. It's, it's cool. It's, this is how it's starting. If you would take the next 60 seconds and fill out the card in, in the seat behind you, in front of you, uh, we would love to get connected with you. You could take that to our Welcome Center. We'll give you a gift uh, just for you, and uh, we'd love to walk this journey out with you. Um, if you are online, we just want to welcome you as well. Thank you for joining us, and uh, if you would go to on our website at vlchurch.com, uh, we would love for you to hit that New Here tab. You'll fill out some information, and we would love to get connected with you, and we'll get you a gift as well. And so uh, we'd love to walk this journey out with you. We believe here at Victory Life Church that we do life together, and so we are truly better together. So we're going to do this journey together. And we would love to walk that with you. Uh, speaking of getting connected, I got a couple announcements for you. Uh, the first of which is Bible and barbecue. Can you say Bible and barbecue? Come on, guys, the Bible and great food. What is better than a Bible and barbecue? That sounds amazing. Listen, it's going to be a time to get together uh, and enjoy good food, good fellowship and community, and study the Bible. And this is going to be happening all throughout summer. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing this once a month, and there's several options. There's going to be many options for you to get connected for a Bible and barbecue. And you can do so by going online at vlchurch.com. There's a Bible and Barbecue tab, and you can hit that. You'll find out uh, where they're going to be and who's hosting and, and what that's going to look like. Um, but, man, it's going to be an amazing time to get connected and just doing life together, y'all. And so, but also that, but you're going to get some great food and growing your faith. Amen. So, um, I'm ready for it, and I hope you are too. So would you join us for a Bible and barbecue this summer? Uh, the next thing we got going on, coming up, it's so exciting, is Pursue Night. Can you say Pursue Night? Come on. We did a Pursue Night in January, and it was amazing. Uh, if you're not sure what a Pursue Night is, it is uh, a night where we get together, we worship God, we pray, and we seek his presence. And we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so uh, it's an amazing time to get into the presence of God and to be renewed and refreshed in your soul. And so we're excited to do this again coming up on June 17th at 6.30 p.m. That's a Friday evening. Evening, and we would love for your family to be there, for you to invite your friends, invite, your, invite the whole family, invite all your kids. Um, it's going to be an amazing time of getting into the presence of God. And not only that, but after you worship God, you got to celebrate, y'all. So we're going to celebrate after, uh, and we're going to have a family church picnic right out on the lawn. It's going to be an amazing time. There's going to be stuff for the whole family, food. Um, it's going to be so good. So we'd love for you to join us there, and please bring a friend if you feel like they, they need to be here. There is power in getting in the presence of God, and so uh, it's going to be an amazing time. I hope that you join us. That's all the announcements I got for you this morning. If you came to give uh, and, and worship the Lord with your tithes and offerings, you can do so in a few different ways. You can do so online at vlchurch.com. You can do text to give, and you can also uh, give on your way out this morning. I want to remind you that it is the first Sunday of the month, and uh, it is uh, Benevolence Sunday. So would you consider giving to our Benevolence Ministry uh, this morning that is really the hands and feet uh, of Jesus who, who goes out and, and, and meets needs uh, for those who are maybe struggling in our community. So would you consider doing that this morning? Um, and just want to thank you for worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. But can we stand to our feet this morning and, and pray as, and prepare our hearts as we begin to worship God? Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to be in your presence, Lord Jesus. 
Lord, we, we worship you because you deserve it, God. And we thank you for all you've done in our lives. Lord, would you renew us? Would you refresh our souls this morning as we get into prayer and worship and, and, and learn from your word, Lord Jesus? There is power when we get into your presence. Renew our minds so that we might know your will, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship together. Amen. Let's worship him. One, two, Come to praise the Lord today. Did you come to invite him into this place? Do you want to see him here? Then let's worship him today. Let praise be a weapon. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety.
give our praise today. He is worthy of glory. He is worthy of honor because God sent his son to die for you and me. And his mercy covers all our sins today. His grace covers our sins. And we sing this morning because of what he's done for us. Let's worship him together. Show! 
worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I long to do. I give you praise, for you are my There's no one like 
As Pastor Aaron comes this morning, can we just dwell on the name of Jesus? As we sing one more time, there's no one like you. Let's just dwell on that name. No greater name, no more powerful name than the name of Jesus. Let's just sing it one last time. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you. There's no There's no one like you, Jesus. Lord, you gave it all. Lord, that we might come into a relationship with you, Jesus. And Lord, our lives are changed forever because of you. Lord, I pray that we would seek you often and stay close to your heart to be renewed. Lord, will we worship you with our lips, but will we worship you with our life? May we be an instrument of righteousness, Lord Jesus. And will we seek you in every way? Lord, we let you in on every part of our lives, Jesus. And will we reflect you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a hand clap, a shout this morning? He deserves our praise. He's so good. And man, you're probably wondering, why does this guy have flowers in his hands? He just likes to worship and pray with flowers in his hands. You should try it sometime. It's really great. Man, you can be seated this morning, and I'm excited to transition into a, a special time uh, this morning, and we get the opportunity and honor of celebrating and recognizing um, those who have graduated. Uh, you, may, you may have seen an email go out a couple weeks ago, and we just wanted to uh, honor uh, those uh, who have made an amazing accomplishment of graduating uh, this semester, and, and so uh, we're going to uh, honor a couple people this morning, uh, specifically one in this service, and that is Esther Marie Layton. You can come on up, Esther. If any, <laughs> yeah, come on. Can we give it up for Esther this morning? Man, it, if anybody needs to take pictures to you, you're welcome to come up here and take a picture as well. Um, but while she's coming up here, uh, Esther graduated from Talmadge High School. You can come up on the stage, yeah. Um, here you go. You're welcome. Um, Esther graduated from Talmadge High School. She was involved in several things. She was involved in National Honor Society, Leaders in Action, Track and Field, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, she was also involved in several things here at the church, um, youth ministry, and so I've been able to serve alongside Esther uh, for well, almost a couple of years now, and so uh, it's been a pleasure and an amazing time to watch you grow, and as you've been a part of Student Influencers, a program to disciple uh, students and to vision and dream of the future for the ministry. Um, she's helped in after party, cafe, announcements, connecting with students, clean up. Basically, Esther said, wherever you need me, I'll do it. And she really lived that out. She lived out that philosophy, and she was really uh, a servant. She is a servant. And so um, she is going to be, uh, she also served in our nursery as well here on Sunday mornings. Um, and Esther is going to be going to Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. That is my alma mater. Uh, I was at Columbus campus, but still Southeastern University. Come on. Um, she's going to be uh, studying, getting a degree in secondary mathematics education and practical ministry. 
man, we are so excited and proud of, uh, proud of you, Esther, and we love you and just want to be able to come alongside you and just uh, really uh, empower you in this next season of your life. And so we're going to have uh, uh, Matt Petrosky, one of our elders, come up. He's going to uh, anoint and pray for you uh, as you step into this next season of your life, Esther. Good morning. I have known this young lady almost since the day she was born. And I cannot be prouder of her, more proud of her than I am at this moment. I mean, how many ministering mathematicians do you guys know? This is my first. Um, we, we truly are blessed as a church body. Um, second service a couple weeks ago, we prayed for uh, Maddie Court as she was being commissioned to go out to the ministry. And now we get to pray for another one of our young ladies who is going to be going to school to go into ministry. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but that's a really rare thing to have so many people in succession leave from a church body into ministry time and time again. And that's really been a strong history here at Victory Life, one of the things I love the most. Um, if you know Esther, you know that this, this is her. She's always got a smile on her face. She's always energetic, sometimes a little too energetic on youth retreats late at night, but she is. And I've, I've always counted her to be a real blessing. It's going to take a minute now and pray for Esther. And uh, guys, bow your heads, please. Father, we just come before you right now and we lift Esther up to you. First, we thank you for the gift she has been in each and every one of the lives that she's touched. She has always been a source of, of joy and energy, and she has always been a willing servant. And I thank you for putting that into her heart. I pray that as she leaves to go to Florida, that you be with her in safe travels, that you even now begin to set up divine appointments, that you uh, begin to put people in her path that can help mentor her as she continues her, her journey. And I ask that you let her know that even though she's not living at home with her mom and her stepdad and her brothers and sisters, that this is still her home. And we will always be here for her whenever she needs us. I thank you for the wonderful things you're going to be doing in her life. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Congratulations, Esther. Young disciples, you may be dismissed at this time to go down the hall. You will be studying the exact same passage that we're studying this morning. Be ready to ask your parents questions about them later, because if they can't answer them, it's their fault, not mine. All right. We have a couple of, of a singular sermons this morning. We're not going to, or this morning, in the next two weeks, we're not in a series necessarily, but I'm going to get to share with you some things the Lord's laid on my heart, and they directly... Uh, they directly tie into some of the things that we're doing here as a church, so I'm excited to share with you. And we're going to go somewhere we haven't been in quite some time, except for referencing it from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the prophet Joel. Bible drill, when you get to, if you get to Joel first, stand up, we've got a $25 gift card for you. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, unless Pastor Otto has one in growth track. I don't have any in my side pocket. But uh, the prophet Joel is called a minor prophet. Uh, because he was diminutive in stature. Uh, no, he is called a minor prophet because his book's not as long as some of the uh, longer prophets in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with being a minor prophet. You just didn't write as much as the major prophets. The reason I want to take us to Joel today is because there is a call for a special church service, something that's over and above the, a normal church service. We pastors love special church services. We love things that are, are kind of outside of the normal Sunday morning gathering. Because we know when you came here this morning, you had certain expectations for how the service would go and how long the worship time would go and what prayer is going to look like at the end of our service today and how long I'm going to preach for, which today is only going to be 60 to 80 minutes. And you have expectations for how the service is going to go. But sometimes it's very powerful as the people of God, to gather in a special way for a special purpose. 
And we pastors know that good things happen oftentimes when you don't have a set of schedule and you can just seek the Lord together. This took place all over the Old Testament, and it can be scheduled. In fact, God liked to schedule special services. He called them festivals, all right? Or the, the, the real, the, the $100 name for those festivals were holy convocations, because everybody knows what a holy convocation is, right? And those festivals were times to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. God calls his people to that. And we have celebrations like that sometimes throughout the year. And we're going to talk about holy convocations next week. But the other type of gathering that can be called is a solemn assembly. And that has a little bit of a different feel. And those were times of need, specifically the need to return to the Lord, to come to the Lord in reverence, and to spend time in his presence and see what the Lord might be speaking to us on a given, at a given time or in a given season for our future. We want to talk about those solemn assemblies today because we are going to have a mixture of a solemn assembly and a holy convocation here on June 17th with Pursue Night. Pursue Night's not a worship concert. It's, it, it, it's not our goal to come in here and rock out, though our band is perfectly capable of rocking out. They're good rocking out Christians. Our goal is not to rock out and have a worship concert like you might see at some great big arena. The goal of a pursuit night is to seek and celebrate the Lord. Part of it's a solemn assembly. We want to seek and return to the Lord uh, and see what he has for us in the future. And part of it's to celebrate the Lord, to talk about his goodness and the ways in which he's provided for us. But we're going to focus in on that, that first one today, that solemn assembly, that time of gathering to the Lord, for, to the Lord to return to him and see what he has for us in the future. Now, I used to want to avoid these with all my heart. In fact, I was really upset when my dad used to call them when I was a kid. We'd have these special services on Sunday night, and I thought that was, that was a hater of humanity moment because football was on on Sunday nights. And my dad would call these, these, these Sunday night worship services, prayer services, where we'd seek the Lord together as a church. And I had better things to do. There was football, there was Sega. I didn't need a special service. And, and, and we'd have to go because I was a pastor's kid, but it was neat. You'd see all these folks show up, and we'd pray, and we'd seek the Lord. We'd just kind of see what the Lord had for us that evening. And I remember one particular night, it was really, really, really scary. My dad gets up there, and we're praying, and we're worshiping, and we're praying, playing a few worship songs, and he goes, you know what, I feel very strongly from the Lord this morning that we are to pray over the children. Or it wasn't, it was the evening. We need to pray over the children and so he said, I want all of you kids to come up and sit here on the front row, and then different adults here, we're going to gather around you, we're going to put a hand on your head or on your shoulder, we're going to pray over you. And he said, if any of you adults get a word from the Lord for one of these children, I want you to feel the freedom to speak it. So all of us kids came to the front row, and none of us wanted to be there, because we have no idea what's going to happen. So I'm sitting there, and I don't know who gets prayed for first, but... It's one of my first experiences where I really felt the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Because my fear and trepidation all of a sudden was replaced by, wow, I want them to pray for me next. Because the Holy Spirit's presence is not counterfeit. He is real. And he's not awkward. He's awesome. And so uh, these different folks in the church, they were gathering around the kids and they were laying hands on their head or on their shoulders and they were praying for them and they were speaking words into their life if the Lord had a word for certain people. And it was just this powerful night, and I'm waiting for them to pray for me because somebody was, was called into the mission field, and, and it, that, that, that man today spent time on the mission field, and, and, and someone else was prayed over, and, and they got, you have the gift of music, or, or you, you have the gift of helps, and they were just calling out the gifts that people had, and it, it was powerful, straight from the word of God. It was so good, and I was ready for them to pray for me, so I got up there, and it was time. You know, all these people, all these, all these adults from my church, you know, they lean in and they got their hands on you and they're praying over you and they're, it, it, you just you sense the Spirit of the Lord and it's such a powerful moment. And, and somebody said, or, I wasn't pastor at the time, Matthew, I have a word for you. And he said, the Lord has gifted you with laughter. <laughs> laughter. I remember being highly offended. These other kids are, are being prayed over with all of these great gifts and all of these great ministries. Someone got called on the mission field, and somebody said, I got the gift of laughter? That's not even in the Bible. And I knew at 10 it wasn't in the Bible, and I thought, that was stupid. Why would you say that? And then I had to go sit down. I wanted to be prayed over again and get another gift spoken over me. 
I remember at 10 years old thinking, this stinks. Well, it stunk worse for the next kid because they prayed over him and he threw up on everybody's shoes and the meeting kind of ended. So, true story, right, AJ? It's a good night. It's a good night. Vomit all over the front of the altar. It was great. That, that definitely... That definitely squelched the spirit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so at least I got prayed for, right? Years later, I was feeling my call into ministry. I, I, I knew that the Lord wanted me to go into pastoring, and I had a, a huge objection. Pastors are stodgy and boring, and I don't want to be stodgy and boring. I don't want to be serious. I don't want to have to be serious. I want to enjoy my life. And I remember sitting here on a Sunday morning and I felt a very strong call into ministry and, and I knew that I was to go. And all of a sudden, a word from when I was 10 years old came to me. The Lord has given you the gift of laughter. And it's okay. You don't have to be stodgy. You don't have to be serious. That's what this meant. You're allowed to smile and laugh and you can even do so while preaching. It was powerful. It happened at a special service where we were returning to the Lord and seeking the Lord together. Well, the prophet Joel calls a solemn assembly in Joel chapter 2. He, he wants all the people to gather together and return and seek the Lord because good things happen when we return and seek the Lord. And as we look forward in a few weeks to our next Pursue Night, I, I just want to encourage you that it is powerful and effective when we return and seek the Lord together. And maybe the Lord is calling you to a return today, and perhaps the words of Scripture will stir that in your spirit. We're going to be in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and following, and we're going to see the nature of this solemn assembly where we return to the Lord. Verse 12, Joel chapter 2. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That's a fancy name for Jerusalem. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, vestibule, that's a tough one to say, and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where's their God? This is the context of the solemn assembly. These solemn assemblies were called all over the Old Testament by leaders who knew that there was power in returning to the Lord. And that's what a solemn assembly became over the course of time for the people of Israel, for the people of God. When there was a threat, when things looked bad, when it looked like there was no hope in sight, when it was a feeling that the people had forsaken the Lord, it was time to call for a return, to seek him, seek him for a blessing, even though it looks like really bad times are ahead. Now, I wish I could give you the specific cultural and historical context for Joel chapter 2, but scholars are torn. They don't know what decade or even what century Joel was written. There's guesses, there's educated guesses, but all we know from the prophet Joel is there is an imminent threat. There is someone coming to threaten and destroy the people of God. And in the midst of this threat, a solemn assembly is called. But the threat is not the genesis of the story. The genesis of the story in Joel chapter 2 is not only the threat that's coming, but the people's place with the Lord. You see, in Joel chapter 1, we discovered that the people are not close to the Lord their God at all. And the other prophets take a lot of time to kind of enumerate the sins of the people of God. Have you ever read that? You, you open the book of Isaiah, or you open the book of Jeremiah, you open the book of Micah, and, and they enumerate the sins of God's people. Joel doesn't do that. Joel only makes two accusations that have led to this desperate state of affairs against the people of God. Number one, he accuses them of drunkenness. 
That's one. And drunkenness is a sign of something greater. As we've talked about from this pulpit before, drunkenness is a sign of dissipation. The idea that instead of seeking the Lord for satisfaction, instead of seeking the Lord for, for his peace and his security, we medicate ourselves. And we look to the created thing rather than the creator. That's what dissipation is. You, you are, are dissipating into things that you ought not because you're not seeking your supply from the source. So he's accusing them of this. He's accusing them of being people who are caught in dissipation. They're not close to the Lord. And then there's a second thing. The second thing is they are withholding their grain and their drink offerings. Now that doesn't mean much to many of us because we don't spend a lot of time in the book of Leviticus. But specifically, the grain and the drink offerings were offered when you went to the temple close to the presence of the Lord and had a fellowship meal. They were neglecting their fellowship with the Lord. They weren't spending time in his presence. That's what they're accused of. They are going after the created thing rather than the creator, and they're not spending time in the presence of God. That, in some measure, has led to the desperate state that they are in. Now, anybody could have looked at the signs of the times in this situation in Joel chapter 2 with this roaring lion that's coming to devour them and say, we're in trouble. A new direction is needed. And Joel the prophet, as many prophets do, comes to the people and says, return to the Lord. That's the prescription when the threat is imminent and your, your fellowship with him is broken. Return to him. This word return is the same word for the word repent. R-E-P-E-N-T. Repent. It's the same word in the, in, in the Hebrew. The, the idea here is that we take the direction of our lives and say, I am done heading that way. I'm going to turn back to the Lord. Why? Because just as it says in Exodus, it says in Joel, he is compassionate and he is gracious and he is loving and I'm not going to fear that return. That's why the prophet Joel says, even now, even at this late hour, even when it seems things are going to hell in a handbasket, return to the Lord. Repent. Turn your life around. And allow this to hit you, not at a head level, but at a heart level. That's why the prophet Joel says you need to fast and you need to weep and you need to mourn. You can do all the things that look like you're the people of God at a head level, but is God touching you at a heart level? Rend your heart, not your garments. Meaning you can look religious in the ancient days by saying, Oh, the threat! Everything's bad! And Joel says, don't do the Hulk Hogan. You don't need to. What you need to do is allow God to touch you at a heart level again. Will you allow him? Will you allow him? That's the nature of the solemn assembly. And this happens over and over and over again in the Old Testament. Moses does this. Samuel does this. David does this. Asa does this. Jehoshaphat does this. Hezekiah does this. Josiah does this. Ezra does this. Nehemiah does this. The threat is imminent. We're not feeling particularly close to the Lord. Let's gather together and return. Let's repent. Because that's what we're supposed to do. And isn't it interesting that the first word that Jesus utters when he comes to earth as he preaches to the masses is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn back to the Lord because God is going to reestablish his rule and his reign in his repentant people. Those who are not headed in their own direction but those who are willing to head in the direction that the Lord Jesus calls them. You know what these people were called, these, these ancient, ancient Israelites? They were called a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You know what we are called in, in 1 Peter chapter 2? We are called a chosen people, a royal priesthood. 
created to declare the excellencies of him who has led us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. To become those people, we must become a repentant people. People who are willing to turn our face towards the Lord and reestablishing fellowship with him. One of the key words of the Old Testament is repent. One of the key words of the New Testament is repent. The Lord uttered it. He says this is the starting point to reestablishing health and your relationship to God is this repentance. Returning to the Lord should be in our DNA as God's people. It should just be who we are. We recognize that it is our pattern to stray. It's our pattern to run away. It's our pattern to forsake fellowship and chase after the things of the world. And then we need to return. And we're going to find a God who's slow to anger. We're going to find a God who's compassionate. We're going to find a God who's ready to welcome us back. He knows that we stray. He's not okay with it. But that's why as he describes himself to Moses, he says, I'm slow to anger. I'm compassionate. I'll welcome you back. I had a lovely day at home yesterday. Bella only escaped twice. It was a good day. For those of you who don't know, Bella's not one of my children. Bella is my beagle. And Bella is well known throughout the neighborhood because she can smell three-year-olds opening front or side doors like other dogs smell bacon, right? So if the door is open a crack and a three-year-old happens to be going outside, Bella is gone. And then all the neighborhood children show up to try to get Bella. It's a wonderful experience, very communal. (laughs) Bella does not care to come home when I call her. And I can dangle a piece of Krieger's ham off the bone like this, and it will not bring her home because she is prone to stray. There's only one thing that consistently brings Bella home, and it's rain. (laughs) She hates the rain. To her, the rain is crisis. And so, if it's not raining, we might see Bella 45 minutes to an hour from now. And the only reason Bella's not dead is because we live in a quiet hamlet development where there's very little traffic. Otherwise, she'd be a pancake beagle at this point. (laughs) But the rain forces her home. And all of a sudden, we will hear on the front stoop, and I'll think, ah, It's begun to rain. (laughs) Bella's home. Sadly, it wasn't raining yesterday. Thank you to Mikey Faber for getting Bella. We appreciate Mikey. He's down in Children's Church right now. But I'll tell you, it's interesting that only one thing drives her home. It's the threat of rain. And sometimes that's the only thing that can get the people of God's attention when there's an imminent threat. And you know you got to go home. And I think some of us recognize that there are some imminent threats around us today. I think we see the signs of the times. We all see those seismic societal shifts that are taking on right now. We all, we all see so much that's happening, not, not just related, but in part related to what we faced the last two years. But things are changing rapidly in ways that just make your jaw drop. We all see continual wanton violence, unlike that which we've seen in the past. I'm not just talking about shootings and schools and gathering places. We're talking about people just murdering each other in the streets, homeless people being lit on fire, people just getting decked as they walk down the street by a stranger. Bad things are happening. Wanton violence is out there. And if that doesn't affect our spirit, maybe... Maybe the rain for some of us will just be our wallets because we've all felt the pinch of inflation. We all see possible recession looming. And you go, I think the storm clouds are gathering. Now, I, I, far be it from me to call for the imminent return of Christ here this morning, but the signs of the times are appearing everywhere. They are. They are. And nothing more than, than this wanton violence. Because we can somehow get our mind wrapped around war, can't we? We're kind of conditioned as human beings to recognize that there'll be war, but, but, but blood in the street for no reason, that, that hits us. That hits us. You know, Jesus was clear that we are to expect these things. 
He was very clear that we were to expect threats from all sides as the people of God. He talks about it in Matthew chapter 24. He talks about the fact that the earth will become a very, very tumultuous place, even more than it's ever been. And there's a threat in Matthew 24, and the threat is not the threat of violence or the threat of seismic societal shifts. Jesus says there's a threat in Matthew 24, 12. And you know what the threat is? Jesus says, as lawlessness, is, as lawlessness, is, lawlessness increases the love of many will grow cold. That Christians will stray off the plumb line. That as the lawlessness out there increases, we'll become more like the lawlessness than turning and repenting and staying close to the Lord. That we'll stray towards the society rather than find ourselves in the kingdom. As the lawlessness increases, for those of you taking notes, Matthew 24, 12, the love of many will grow cold. See, the people in Joel 2, their, their, their love had grown cold. What they were avoiding was fellowship with the Lord. That was their crime. And it's only the imminent threat of what's going on around them that helps them to recognize the call to return, repent to the Lord. Now, if you want to look back down in your Bibles, who's to return? Who? 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 Well, the prophet Joel says, blow the trumpet. So that means everybody within earshot. That's my trumpet. Peter, I should have had you bring the trombone. We only bring it to their men's retreat to blow in the old guy's cabin at 2 in the morning. But anyhow, blow the trumpet in Zion. We want everybody to hear. We want everybody within earshot to come. Everybody needs to get everybody. Everybody is to return. It says, call the elders. That, That doesn't mean the six guys who can fire the pastor. That means... The old people, all right, in context. It's, it's the folks who are infirm and otherwise wouldn't be able to make it, make it to the assembly. you got to make sure they make it. No, nobody's too old to, to, to come to this solemn gathering. Everybody needs to show up. In fact, the children need to be there. Gather the children. There's the elders and the children. Gather every, every age group needs to be part of this. We do this as a community. We gather to return to the Lord together. Everybody, old people and children, it's good It's good. This is a general rule. It's good for children to see the adults seeking the Lord. Whether or not they're able to participate and understand, that's up to the Lord. But it's good for them to see the people of God seeking the Lord. Call the children. And and then to to make sure that we know that nobody's excluded, like, and and make sure the nursing infants are there. Well, we know they're probably not going to gather anything from that gathering, right? It's, it, it's, to, it's to make sure nobody is excluded, even the nursing inf- infants. And then because the prophet Joel has a sense of humor, he says, let the bridegroom and the bride leave their chambers. In essence, the prophet Joel says, tell those newlyweds to cut it out and get to church. <laughs> no one is excluded. From the solemn assembly, nobody is excluded. Everybody is to return. Get everybody together. And you know who should lead in the morning? It says the priests. The priests should stand between whatever the vestibule is. I'm not going to explain that. but The vestibule and the altar, right? And have them say, Lord, we don't want it to be that, 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 that your people, here's the threat, your people are a reproach. We don't want those who, who, who would stamp on the graves of the people of God to have a victory. We need to return to you, O oh Lord, because we don't want to be a reproach, and we do not want the nation saying, where's their God? And that's a threat today, my friends, because there are institutions that are already dancing on the grave of American Christianity. And we're not quite dead yet. They're excited to stamp us out. I'm not going to name them. You know who they are. And if you don't know who they are, see an elder. And that applies to either an old person or the guys who can fire me. Either one. There are people celebrating that American Christianity looks like it's going the way of European Christianity. That's a threat. Where is their God? Is he real? Does he have any power left? Obviously not. We look forward to 2050 when they're no more. See, 
the situation today is very much like the situation of Joel 2. But there is a remedy. There's a remedy to all of this. And it's the same remedy that Moses called for, that Jehoshaphat called for, that Asa called for, that, 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 that Nehemiah called for. Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. Because perhaps he'll leave a blessing behind. Because to seek him is to see him. Because when you say to the Lord, I'm coming back, Lord. I return to you, Lord. The rain has fallen, and I need you. He doesn't look at us and go, no, you're out. You're done. I have no time for you. His nature is to bless his people and to relent from the disaster that was coming upon him. And for American Christianity, for our church to thrive and be the people that we are supposed to be, we must turn and seek him. And make sure that the love of many does not grow cold. To make sure that we don't neglect our grain and our our drink offerings. That we enjoy the fellowship of the Lord. That we know his spirit. Do you know what it says later on in Joel? The last days are coming and the Lord is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That's the only reason we ever go to Joel. We're reading Acts chapter 2. Because the Holy Spirit... He has communion with us because Jesus has made that possible for us. It's easier than ever to return and see the Lord because we seek him, because the Holy Spirit is in our midst. It's easier. We don't have to gather at the temple, but we do need to gather together. We do need to come together. It's a communal thing. Elders and young children, nursing infants and newlyweds, priests and commoners, if you will. That was the way their society set up. Everybody get together. And seek the Lord so that the Lord will be seen and no one will question where is their God. The threats are out there, but his blessing is out there too. It's one last part of this that hasn't been explained, and I want to take you to it directly from the text. This verse 14 is where we're going to end, the dead center of this passage today. Who knows whether he won't turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Why is God leaving his own offering? That's odd. This grain offering, this drink offering, chapter 113, that's what the people were neglecting. They were neglecting fellowship with the Lord. What's what's the prophet saying? When we turn and return and repent, he reestablishes fellowship with us. He opens the door and welcomes us in. We can't reestablish that fellowship. We can't even claim that we have the right. But by his good nature and his great character, he opens the door. And says, come in. I won't turn you away if you'll turn to me. I won't turn you away if you turn to me. So call the solemn assembly. And let's return to the Lord together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, it's quite possible today that our faces are not turned towards you. That our focus is elsewhere. Perhaps on the created thing rather than the creator. Perhaps we've even neglected fellowship with you. But Lord, you are so merciful and so gracious that whether our sins are enumerated or our love has grown cold, you are still in the business today of calling us home. Still in the business today of welcoming your people back to you. Lord, I suspect today that many of us 
would do for letting our pride fall down and allowing you to touch our hearts once more. So I'd like us to ask a question of the Lord today, as we often do. A simple question, not to be answered by ourselves, but to be answered by the Lord. Lord, has my love grown cold? And do I allow you to touch me on a heart level? Lord, am I open to what you have for me? Or am I closed off? Would you ask the Lord that question today? Do I have the ability today to rend my heart before you and allow you to touch my heart once more? I'm going to let you pray and say it in your own way. But our salvation is in rest and repentance and seeking the Lord our God. Lord, we give you our hearts today. We would ask that you would reestablish your residence there. Reestablish fellowship with us, Lord. We will turn and we will seek. And Lord, I pray in the days to come we will see you. Turn and leave a blessing, Lord. Turn and leave a blessing. We ask this humbly in the name of the Lord Jesus, our righteousness. Amen. Amen. Would you stand today? I do want to invite you to our pursue night on June 17th. We've set an appointment with the Lord. I understand many of you may not be able to make it for prior commitments, but if your only other plan is to binge watch a show that evening, be here. Because we're going to seek the Lord. And some people are going to celebrate, because it's right to celebrate. And some people are going to turn back to the Lord. And some people, the Holy Spirit's going to uncover some things in their heart that need to be dealt with. And it's okay to have an appointment with the Lord. If you can't make it that night, but the Lord's been stirring your heart today, when are you going to make your appointment with the Lord? When are you going to say, God, I'm going to skip out of work for a half day, and I'm going to go sit in the park, and I'm going to seek your face? See, don't take what the Lord's been doing in your heart today and and just leave it. Make an appointment with him. And if you can't have a solemn assembly with us, plan on having a solemn assembly with him. Ask him to search your heart to make it new. God, I pray a blessing over your people today. I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them as the prophet Joel prophesied, that they would know that they are consecrated to you and that, Lord, you will never leave them nor forsake them. Bless them now as they go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.